I was joking with first service that um, I, was only, I was only up here one time during the 10 at 10, and I feel like all these new faces came in during the summer. And so I'm just going to take a minute and just introduce myself because I don't know a lot of people in this room. Um, I do know some, but um, so my name is Kim, and I am part of the team here at Living Waters. And then um, we also have a church in Ashland uh, called Shepherd's Way. And uh, I get to be part of the teaching team. One of my passions is to teach and to preach, and so I get to do that. And then I'm also the administrator for both churches, and I do the finances for both churches. So I'm super busy all the time, <laughs> all the time. But, uh, but I get this amazing opportunity to come up here and to um, share with you guys what God's been putting on my heart and I just think it is the greatest job in the world. I, get, I have the greatest job in the world. Just for me, this is my passion. And so to be able to do what I'm passionate about, I'm just so honored. And so, uh, yeah, it's amazing. But anyways, it's nice to meet all of you. Um, <laughs> so we have been going through Words in Red for the past few months. And we've been going over um, what Jesus has said. We've been going over his life. We've been going over how he loves people, how he treats people, what he um, speaks to, to large crowds of people. We've been walking through all of that because we believe that's important to know how he lived his life. He is the greatest example that we can live by, and so we need to be reading these things and learning about him in order to walk this out with him. And the words that we read, um, you know, the Bible, it's like, it's there for us. It's there for us, and it is there for, um, to speak to our hearts. It's there to uh, just impact us. It's there to guide us. The Lord wants to speak to us through his word. And so when we open it up, um, we can open it up and look at it as a good book. It's a good book, right? It's got some good stories. I don't really understand all of it, right? We could say that. Uh, but it's a good book. But really... The Bible is more than just a good book. And there's probably many people in this world that say, yeah, it's, it's a good book. It's got some good stuff in it. But really, what it says in Hebrews 4.12 is this. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So, God's word is active and alive, and the purpose of it is to speak to us and move us in how we live our lives. It's supposed to teach us about who he is, and it also talks to us about who we are as his kids. And the word shows us the difference between truth and lies. It's a guide that we get to follow in life, and we get to um, encounter God because it is alive. So every time we open up the word, it can be an encounter with the Lord at that moment. So when we read the words in red, we can read it as words that are really good and Jesus spoke them at one point, right? And so it's probably pretty important. Or we can actually read them and they can do something in our hearts. They can change us. There can be a life-changing experience when we read those words. It can change us at the core of who we are. But really, it comes down to our choice. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've opened the word a lot where it's been okay. I haven't really, I mean, it's like I got something maybe, I don't know, but maybe I didn't really feel like I got something that day. And then I've had days where I have been completely rocked. My whole life has changed. I've had an amazing encounter with the Lord, and nothing is going to 
like take me back to that place. I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so different from here on out because of what God spoke to me in the word. But the thing is, you can look at the difference in my attitude and my choice at that moment. I probably went in just kind of, if I, you know, if I didn't really care to get anything, it was like, yeah, I, I want to meet with you, Lord. And my attitude might not have been real intent, um, ready to receive from the Lord at that moment. But the times that I was intent, the times where I was like, I need to hear from you, the times that I was going after him and just like engage my heart, those are the times where he completely engaged my heart. And it was my choice in that moment of am I going to receive from him Am I going to get everything out of it? Because his word is active and alive. So every time I open up the word, he wants to speak to me. Every single time he has a word for me. And I don't have to just open it up and just kind of get something and walk on. But he wants to actually engage my heart and he wants to change me and he wants to mold me and he wants to speak to me and he wants to encounter me. But that's my choice of how am I going to go to him? Am I going to engage with him? Am I going to be open to hear from him? His word is active and alive, and we get the choice to say yes to him or not. And uh, today we're going to be reading through Matthew 7. And I was getting this picture of Jesus standing on the mountain in front of this crowd. You know, he's teaching people through stories um, because he wants them to understand what he's saying. And his heart is that they would actually understand him, that they would know his love for them, that he would, every time he gets in front of somebody, he wants them to know his heart for them. He wants to engage with them. He wants to have relationship with them. So he's standing on this mountain, and he's talking to this large crowd, crowd of people, and he is giving the most significant sermon that has ever been preached, ever, the Sermon on the Mount. And these people, are, are, they're listening to Jesus himself, right? Can you imagine standing on a mountain and Jesus himself is standing there and he's like, I've got something for you. That would be incredible and my whole life would be completely changed. Wouldn't you say? But there was many people on this mountain. So I'm assuming that there were some that kind of came and were like, you know, that's great that that's Jesus. I don't know if I even really believe that that's really who he says he is, you know? And then there were some that were like, what? Look, we're getting taught by Jesus. Are you serious? This is so amazing. He has something for me. And they were ready to engage with him. They were ready to receive from him in that moment. Jesus is, he has the same heart for us today. Do you believe that? He has the same exact heart for us today. He has a word that he wants you to grab onto and to understand. He's given me a word for you today. And he wants you to actually grab it and say, God, I want you to change my heart. I want you to engage with me today. He wants you to leave this place changed and knowing full well how much he loves you. And knowing how, how he desires a deeper, intimate relationship with you. So as we press into this message today, I don't want us to go any further until we actually like activate our hearts and say, I want to receive from you, Lord. I actually want to get something out of here because I don't want to see anybody leave this place not changed, not hearing from the Lord. So I just want us to take a second and put your hand on your heart and close your eyes. And God, we want to encounter you today. 
God, we come and we just put all distractions aside and we clear our mind and we say, Jesus, please speak to our hearts today. I ask hearts be opened up right now in the name of Jesus. Ears be opened up. May you hear from God today. He wants to speak to you. Jesus, we thank you that you desire to encounter us. And so we say yes and amen to all that you want to speak to us today. We are fully aware that you're here and that you're speaking. And just like those people listening to Jesus himself on the mountain, we have our eyes on you today, and we say speak to us just like that. We are excited for what you're going to do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So throughout the summer, Ryan has been teaching um, out of Matthew 5. And so all of us have been doing other things. We've been going on and teaching more um, out of other gospels and stuff like that. But Ryan has stuck to Matthew 5, and he's been teaching the Beatitudes. And so um, what the Beatitudes are is it's the beginning of the, Ma- uh, the Sermon on the Mount. It's the very beginning of it. And if you were to actually look at the, a red-letter Bible, you would see that in chapter 5, 6, and 7, it's all red letters. There's no black. It's all the Sermon on the Mount. And so this is a big deal, right? This is the greatest sermon ever to be heard by anyone. And um, right before Matthew 5, right before the Sermon on the Mount, you see that Jesus went and he fasted for 40 days. So I don't know about you. Um, I've, I've never fasted for 40 days. I've known one person that has, and I thought it would kill them. I mean, seriously, like, that is intense. Uh, recently, I fasted for a day, and uh, after breakfast, I was dying. <laughs> I was so hungry, and I was like, oh, I need food, right? So 40 days, you can imagine how hungry Jesus is. He's hungry, but he is so intent on spending time with God the Father and hearing from him. And after my one day of fasting and seeking the Lord and just going to him, I had so much clarity on some things in my life. I had so much direction on some things. I knew that God was speaking to me, and it was an incredible day, even though I was so hungry by the end of it. But God had met me every time. When, and so that hunger that I had in me, he was actually filling with him. And so can you imagine Jesus, after 40 days, how much clarity he had, how much knowledge he had, how much he needed to share what God had been saying to him. So you see that the chapters 5, 6, and 7, that's a lot. He had a lot to say to people because he had just been spending 40 straight days seeking God the Father and talking to him. So today I want to go through Matthew 7, and it's closing out the Sermon on the Mount. But I wanted to start by reading the last two verses of Matthew 7, and I'm going to read them out of the Amplified because... um, I just like how it was, how it said it in there. But it shows how the crowd is reacting to the sermon that Jesus is um, speaking to them. So in verse 28, it says this. When Jesus had finished these things, saying the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds were astonished and overwhelmed with bewildered wonder at his teachings, for he was teaching as one who had authority, not as the scribes. So this crowd is hearing the greatest sermon ever preached, and they are astonished and overwhelmed 
with bewildered wonder. They are hearing things that they've probably never heard by an authority that they've probably never seen. Can you imagine sitting on that mountain and hearing things that you've never heard by who you know Jesus is? He is the Son of God. And I'm sure they're sitting there trying to take it all in, and it has to be life experience, you know, life-changing for them. And, you know, nowadays we can hear a sermon and it can be life-changing for us, but we get to hear it over and over and over if we want because it, technology, right? I just listened to a Danny Silk message. I think I listened to it three or four times because it was so good, and I was like, I just want everything that God has for me out of this sermon. And so we have that opportunity, but they heard it one time, and they had to take it all in. I can't even imagine. It's just, it was so much. So, of course, they're just like, this is a lot. But it was so good. And what we're going to read this morning, it is just as much for us today as it was for those on the mountain that day. Jesus is speaking about kingdom living, and he's giving us kingdom principles of how we're supposed to live today, not for the future. That's what they're figuring out. They're like, wait, this is for today. This isn't for in the future. Because we live in the kingdom of God right now. And I was reading about an article about the Sermon on the Mount, and a theologian, Bob Deffenbaugh, he said this, This is precisely why Jesus proclaimed that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, because Jesus himself is the king in God's kingdom, and where he reigns, there the kingdom of God is also, are already present. Where he reigns, there the kingdom of God is already present. So when we ask Jesus into our hearts and we begin to follow him, that means that the kingdom of God is present in our lives. It's present in our lives right now. And so the Sermon on the Mount, it's kingdom principles for how we're supposed to live our lives right now. But the thing I love about the Sermon on the Mount is there's this overall like thing that Jesus is talking about throughout all of it. Because you can look at the Sermon on the Mount and it could be at least 15 messages. You know, we could go for a long time just teaching a little section of the Sermon on the Mount. But the overall of the whole Sermon on the Mount is relationship with Jesus. And we're going to dig into this and figure out why I'm saying that. So we're going to read all of chapter 7. So if you want to go to verse 1, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. And it says this, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? If then, or if you then, 
though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to you, to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law of the prophets. Okay, so yes, we can say, yes, I agree with those two sections of Scripture. Yes, I agree that I need to deal with my stuff and that I need to not judge others. Yes, I need to um, believe that God is good all the time. Yes, I agree with that. I've been told that since I was young. I agree with that. Those things are true, and I know them to be right. But these things that we've been learning for years, um, they're not just things that we need to live by. They're not just good ideas. They're actually his heart. He's saying these are kingdom principles that I am telling you are good for you. You need to be doing this. But overall, what he's saying is, when you judge someone, you're causing there to be a break between you and that person. And then that's causing there to be a break between me and you. When you're judging God, there's definitely a break between you and him, right? And when we don't believe that God is good all the time, or we don't trust him with everything in our life, maybe we trust him with a little bit, there's a break in our relationship with him. So really what he's talking about, not only is he giving you really good kingdom principles that we should live by, we need to be listening to him, he's also saying, I, I want relationship with you. I don't want there to be these divisions between me and you. So let's not do those things so that there isn't division. So we have total relationship between me and you. So let's go down to verse 13 and 14. It says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it. So don't raise your hands, but I'm just wondering, how many of you have heard this scripture throughout your life and always thought, well, I accepted Jesus into my life, so I entered that small gate, right? That was salvation. It, he wants me to go through the small gate, me deciding to follow Jesus, that's where I'm going. And that, honestly, that is what I was raised, I felt like that was what was taught to me. So I'm good, I'm going to heaven because I have went through the small gate and I have accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I'm not saying that it's not talking about salvation, but what I'm saying is I believe that there is more to it than just asking Jesus to come into our lives. There is so much more than just asking him, just going up and meeting him and saying, hi, nice to meet you. There's more to that. The Lord was showing me a picture a few weeks ago before I even got this passage of scripture to, to speak on, and he was giving me a picture of two fields that were separated by a fence. And this field over here was green, it was gorgeous, it was watered, it was taken care of, there was life, it was amazing. And then this field looked like a black and white picture. It was dead, it was dry, there was a little bit of life, but not much. It was just what it was. And there's this fence that's be between it. And I asked the Lord, I was like, what are you showing me in this? And he said, what side of the fence do you want to live on? And of course I'm going to say that I want to live on the side of the fence that's living, 
right? The green and the beautiful, and it looks like spring. I love spring, and so it's like amazing, right? There's so much life over there. So of course I'm going to say, I want to live on that side. And he said, okay, then come through the gate and come over here. So as I began to just keep seeing this vision, I couldn't find the gate. It was just this fence. And I was like, where's the gate? And so it began a conversation with me and the Lord for a couple weeks. We just, I just kept thinking about this field and that field and the fence and where's the gate and just started talking to the Lord. And uh, one day I was driving my car and he said, turn that music off. And I was like, what? what's wrong with the music? And he said, there is nothing good about what you're listening to right now. Turn it off or turn on something that's going to glorify me. And I was like, okay, I can do that. So I, you know, turned on some worship and since then, I've just been listening to worship or I don't listen to anything in my car. And so then, you know, a little bit of time goes by and he says, stop watching that TV show and stop watching that TV show and don't watch that one. And I was like, seriously, what am I going to watch? Like, that's so, like, let's have a conversation about that. Like, what's the problem with that? And uh, he just began to tell me that these shows were actually affecting my life. They were affecting how I view him. They were affecting how I view myself. They are affecting my, how I view singleness, how I view marriage. They were totally messing with me, and I didn't even see how subtle it was. And these shows, you know, they were actually speaking to me about life, and they were directing me, and I didn't even understand that that was what was going on. So I, I listened, and I was obedient, and I stopped watching the shows that he was telling me to stop watching. And then about two weeks ago, I received an email from a friend sharing a word with me. And at the end was the scripture that we had just read about the gates. And Jesus was telling me where the gate was and how I could get to that field. Because the gate is narrow, right? It's small. So I can't actually take all these things that I've been comfortable with and carrying and they've been guiding my life. I can't take all that. It's just me and him. So I actually have to get rid of that stuff and walk through the gate. I have to walk through the gate to him. And what leads me, like what, is, what I'm headed towards is actually life, right? It says that the small gate leads to life, but the, the big gate, the wide gate, it actually leads to destruction. And I've been living in destruction without even knowing it. The world has had an effect on me that I didn't even realize was going on because it's so subtle and it's so, I'm just comfortable. I'm like, this is good. But when Jesus was saying, come over to this field, he was, he's really giving us an invitation to have an intimate relationship with him. And it's all about relationship. It's about knowing him intimately and not wanting to do those things that would guide me any other way. If it grieves his heart, I want nothing to do with it. I want nothing to do with it because I am so in love with him that I don't want to ever grieve his heart. The things of this world, they look good. You know, they sometimes can fill us up. When we're in pain, they can numb that pain. Um, they can bring us some joy sometimes. We can easily get caught up in these things in the world and not even realize that we are getting caught up in it. And we become numb to the Holy Spirit. And we make these choices that line up. My life lines up more with the world than it does with who God says I am. 
But listen, I'm not saying that we all need to turn off our radios and TVs and don't watch that anymore. And I'm saying, for me, that's what was affecting me. You have to actually spend time with the Lord and ask him what's holding you back from him. Because for me, I'm somebody that dives into characters and, like, I, I love those shows that I'm, like, get all caught up in it. Like, that's just my personality. That's who I am. So it was harming me. And I was seeing it in how I was conversing with people. I was having these reactions, and I'm like, what is going on? Why do I act that way? I don't really feel that way. But then I would look at what I was watching, and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. It actually has an effect on my life. So I needed to shut it down because that's what he was asking of me. We have a choice. Do we want to listen to the Holy Spirit and ask him what would ever keep us from intimacy with him? Or do we want to keep just allowing the world to guide our lives? and say, well, I'm a Christian, so I at least met him, right? I mean, at least I know Jesus. Let's go on to verse 15. It says this, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, and but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. I'm thinking that the good fruit, the good tree, is coming from the field that I actually want to live on. The tree is on that side where God is, right? The life. And uh, when we spend time with Jesus and intimately know him, the fruit of our life looks a lot like the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. So what does the fruit of your life look like? Does it look like Jesus or does it look like the world? What does the fruit of those that you're spending time with look like? those that are actually influencing you, those that you're following, what does their fruit look like? Because we got to ask these questions and we got to see what's affecting us. Really, we got to be intimate with Jesus only, right? Not letting this world have an effect on us because we're going to have some bad fruit if it's the world affecting us. Just because we say we're a Christian doesn't mean that the fruit of our life is going to be good. It's our responsibility to, th- to walk through the small gate and build an intimate relationship with Jesus. Because out of that intimacy, that's where the good fruit comes. So the way that we speak towards others, does that reflect Jesus or does that reflect the world? What about our marriage? Does that look like Jesus or does it look like the world? What about our friendships? What if someone were to do something that you didn't like or that hurt you, how are you going to treat them, like Jesus or like the world? Right? That's all fruit. So what's your fruit look like? And it's not, this is not, you know, God doesn't want to shame you in any way. He's just saying, let's look at what's going on. What's the fruit of your life look like? The scriptures goes on to say this. Not everyone, in, in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away with me, you evildoers. He's telling these people, you're doing all the right things. Prophesying in my name. You are driving out demons in my name. There are miracles being taken place in my name. But I don't know you. I actually don't know you. He cannot be any clearer here. He desires intimacy with each one of us more than he desires us doing the right thing. He desires intimacy with you more than he desires you looking good and saying you're a Christian and doing what Christians need to do. He wants intimacy with you. He wants to know you personally. But it's your choice. Some of us, we've met Jesus, but that's where it stopped. And the question is, do you want to know him? I was talking to someone the other day about how do you build friendships? How do you actually... If you don't have any friends, what do you do? The thing is, you got to actually be intentional. You got to actually go seek people out and say, I want to be your friend. Let's spend time together. And then you got to be willing to call them and hang out with them and listen to them and then share your life with them. That's how you build friendship. It's the exact same thing as building it with Jesus. I can meet Jesus when I accept him into my heart, but if that's where it stops, you don't know him. He wants to know you. He wants to meet you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to get into his word and for it just to become alive in you and that it would change you. He wants to have conversation with you. All day yesterday, I just decided to stay home all day yesterday. And I was like, that was one of the best days of my life. Why? Because I spent all day just hanging out with Jesus. I didn't talk to anybody. I just talked to Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm not saying you have to do every, you know, you have to have a full day. I'm just saying he wants to know you just like you know your spouse. Just like you know your best friend. You know, he wants that intimacy with you. The Sermon on the Mount ends with the following verses in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat up against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I know that if you grew up in church, you probably know that story because we know songs about that story, right? Like we all, I, I remember growing up hearing that. And it's, it's true. It's, we need to build our, our house on him. But what does that look like? It's an invitation to have that relationship with him. Because things are going to come into your life. Things are going to happen. The winds are going to blow. There's going to be a huge storm that hits. And what are you going to do? Are you going to cling to him because you know him and you know that he's going to walk you through it? Or are you going to crash and fall? I've said it so many times, I don't understand how people go through hard times without Jesus. I don't even, I cannot even fathom it. Because he sustains us every time. 
He is there to comfort and to walk with us. He's not leaving us, and he will bring good out of every situation. I don't know how people do it without him. But see, it all comes back to our choice. And here's the deal. We know that the small gate is the best choice. And, you know, he's not, Jesus isn't saying all this on this mountain to all these people because he's trying to shame them and guilt them into having a relationship with them. His heart is for us. He is saying these things because he's like, I just want to know you. I want to engage with you. Let's have relationship. But really, having this relationship, walking through that tiny gate, it is going to come with sacrifice because you can't bring all this stuff with you. And sacrifice is not very fun sometimes. And being obedient, who wants to be obedient all the time, right? It's hard. But the Holy Spirit's asking us to do things. And we get that opportunity to say, I hear you. Yep, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be obedient to you. I'll share a st- quick story. Um, in January, I started this thing called Camp 17. Two of my friends, Lou and Chantel, they felt the Lord leading them to uh, lead this program for women, and it's uh, CrossFit, but then it's also dealing with your heart and dealing with why are you not taking care of yourself. And um, I'm going to tell you, right now I did not want to do it. Um, if you guys, I mean, if you were here in December, you will see that I was at the heaviest I've ever been. It was not good. It was, it was I just didn't care. I had just kind of given up. I'd given up on really taking care of myself. I was just doing whatever I wanted to do. And if it felt good, I was just going to, you know, I want that. I want to eat that ice cream, so I'm going to do it. And so I just didn't care, and I got to a place where I just didn't like myself at all. And I was super miserable. And then, my, you know, Lou calls me and she says, I really want you to do this. And I was like, I am not doing that because I'm going to have to sacrifice my will in having to say no to some things. And what came with saying yes to that was that uh, I also did Whole30 at the same time. And I don't know about you, but Whole30 is hard. And I'm doing it right now. But uh, Whole30 is saying no to sugar. It's saying no to uh, dairy. It's saying no to grains and gluten. So it's basically saying no to everything that we love. Okay? So not only am I working out and, and I'm dealing with heart things of why I've not taking care of myself, but then I can't have all the things that comfort me in that time as well. So it's like super hard, and it is a sacrifice. But the thing is, it was my choice. I had to make a choice in that moment of, do I want to keep living my life and going after everything that God's called me to, or am I just going to stop here and just give up? That's where I was at. I was just done. And not to say look at me now, but come on. Look at me, right? <laughs> I mean, seriously, though. Like, I feel so much better. I am I'm doing so much better. I've lost so much weight, and, like, I feel alive again. But it was my choice. And the same thing goes for us. Like, are you on the side of the fence that is dry and dead and not good, and you're just kind of like, well, this is just how it is. Because I'm telling you right now, he's standing at the gate, and he's like, come through here, because this is amazing, and I have everything for you. But yes, you're going to have to sacrifice some of these things that have got you in your place that you're in. This is not good for you. I have so much better, but I can't choose it for you. 
I, no one could choose for me to go do Camp 17. I had to make that choice myself, and I make that choice every day that I go to the gym <laughs> and every day that I do Whole30. It is my choice. And so the same goes for you. Do you want an intimate relationship with Jesus? Do you want the better? Because this is garbage. This world is just feeding you garbage, and it's only filling you to a certain point, but you're still hungry. You still want more. And guess what? The side that he's in, that gate walking through there, that will satisfy you forever. But it is going to be your choice every single day. It's not just, I'm going to meet him. No, it's tomorrow, what are you going to do? And the next day, what are you going to do? And when something hard happens, what are you going to do? Right? Or when it gets easy and good, what are you going to do? I think that you have to make this choice at all times. His desire is that your life will be fruitful. It's just going to come down to what's your choice. 